eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Kegel Lasso. It's Halloween weekend preview time. We have Jimmy Conrad, James Bench joining us soon. We're going to be talking about the Premier League, Europe, MLS, and much, much more. Stay right here. It's Halloween weekend preview time. We got Jimmy Conrad slash Edison Cavani, the Green Reaper slash the Lady from the Lake, James Bench, and Bad Bunny, Bad Peruvian Bad Bunny right here to break it all down. Jimmy, Edison, how are you? I'm good. Uh, hopefully I get the start this weekend. That's really what I'm focusing on. Yeah, Eddie, seriously, let's get a goal from you, all right? Like, let's do it already. Your hair- Rash- Rashford's taking all of them. What am I supposed to do? You know, I mean... Your hair looks beautiful, Edison. Let's just let's just get that goal seriously. And hello, hello, lady from the lake. I have serious questions to be answered by Amazon.co.uk. This is supposed to be a terrifying site, and it is, but for all the wrong reasons. I just look like some terrifying bearded lady who's lost her husband. Can, can I add that you kind of look like a beekeeper as well? There's like a little beekeeper. bit of a beekeeper vibe going on too. And like, it's boiling in here. <laughs> a beekeeper from like the 17th century. <laughs> anyway, weekend preview. Happy Halloween, everybody. I hope that you have a great weekend. Uh, I miss such a tough year. Let's have some fun uh, and let's talk some weekend preview. We begin with the Premier League. I see it, Jimmy. I see it. Jimmy, some betting tips here. Let's begin with the big one, Manchester United against Arsenal. That's a good one. Talk to us about that game. All right. Yeah, this is a good one. It's kind of wide open. Manchester United are the favorites at plus 104. That's what you're into. The draw is 265, plus 265, and Arsenal's to win is plus 250. I just kind of like the vibe that Manchester United's on right now, and I'm not just saying that because I'm Edinson Cavani. Uh, I just... They just got something about them. They're, they're, they're tough to beat. I think they got a lot of confidence and momentum. Arsenal, I don't think as much. I like Rashford to score anytime. You can get any of these goal scores for a good price, but I like Rashford at plus 163. I think Fernandez will find his way back into the team. He takes the penalties, of course, plus 163 on him. Um, it, it's tough. If you want, I think both teams will score. But if you want United to win, that's plus 250. I like that one a lot. The draw is plus 300. And if you're an Arsenal fan and you have to go with them because your heart is telling you so and you just want to be sad and disappointed once again, you can bet on Arsenal to win and both teams to score plus 450. Um, Also, I do want to say there's a a bit of an exotic here. For whatever reason, I feel like this first half could be a little bit tight. I don't know which lineup Ole is going to run out. But if you want United to win the second half, and they've been excellent at the end of games against PSG. Uh, Obviously, we saw it against RB Leipzig in the Champions League as well. 
they open up somehow the game opens up and they are just gone. They're scoring and getting so many chances in the second half. So I like United to win the second half alone at plus 130. I think that's some really good value. Yeah, that's a good one. All right, uh, uh, beekeeper from the 17th century. Uh, give us some insight. Obviously, as we're taping this, Arsenal still has to play the Europa game, but you know, uh, Arteta will do that rotating lineup. Uh, for sure. Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang uh, is in a bit of a drought, I feel. He needs he needs a big game. How, how do you see Arsenal in this one against United? Well, the problem with Arsenal is they're just not getting the ball to Aubameyang. He's on a drought, but he's never getting a chance to shoot. I think in the games against Liverpool and Man City, he had a total of one shot, and that was offside anyway. The, the problem has been that they moved him wide to accommodate a centre-forward, but Lacazette is a shadow of the player he was two years ago. Eddie Nketiah is not there yet. It was interesting that Arteta said in his press conference yesterday, well, actually, you know, we're thinking about moving Aubameyang through the middle. It, it makes so much sense. I thought, you know, watching that United game, what really struck me is that was a, the, the game plan they had to rip through RB Leipzig in the second half was tailor-made for beating a team like Arsenal as well, where you soak up pressure, you know. They weren't really a possession team. They were playing like the away team at Old Trafford. They were soaking up pressure. They were doing it quite well. It got a bit nervy in the second half. It got a bit disorganised and desperate. But then you just throw on uh, Fernandez and you throw on Rashford. I'm sure he will start both of them. But then he probably can throw on Greenwood and Pogba. So it's you know the same the same principle applies. I think the challenge for Arsenal is is do they have that creativity in the middle of the park to to punish United before and, and get you know get the game in the bag before Ollie makes those changes because. There's such strength and depth in attacking areas for United. So I think for Arsenal, we need to see a, a lot more creativity in central areas. It's been non-existent so far this season. You know, you're saying so many smart things, contextual things, but I just can't take <laughs> you seriously right now. <laughs> well, that, that, that doesn't help, actually. No. That's, that's <laughs> <weird. laughs> but listen, uh, no, James, you bring some very good points. And to add to uh, some of Jimmy's tips... You know, United are unbeaten in the last 13 home games against Arsenal. Um, they're unbeaten in the last 29 home league games uh, against Arsenal in games in which they've scored. Uh, so it, it's going to be an interesting one, especially, you know, coming off that really confident game, game against Leipzig. Uh, what, Jimmy, when you're thinking about this game from a defensive perspective, especially uh, Arsenal, what do you want? Do you need, what do you want from them? Well, I'm looking at their lineup against Leicester right now, and they played somewhat of a makeshift back five. You know, Bellerin was really high up. He's probably their acting wing back and can do both, even though he does have a tendency to not want to play too much defense. And then we have Tierney uh, on the other side who will tuck in his shirt, I think, till the day he dies because um, he just loves tucking in his shirt. He's keeping it old school, and I respect it. You know, he's bombing forward the other way. I didn't think either one of them played particularly well, maybe because they were playing a little bit higher up the field against Leicester than usual wasn't a great performance by the team overall. I agree with Benj. Where is that creativity going to come from? And if they're going to go wide to try to create those numerical advantages, who are they going to partner with? I think, uh, again, to agree with Benj, Lacazette probably needs to get dropped. Aubameyang needs to be probably a lot more centrally located around the ball. Maybe that'll create some more opportunities with Ceballos if he starts. Uh, Partey, who I think has to be in the team, of course. Uh, what does Saka do? You know, I mean, there's, they've, got, they've got some question marks. And because they don't have a true traditional number nine absolutely dominating things, 
I think it adds a lot more complexity to what do we do now? There's it's almost Andre Pirlo-esque. We're like, I'm just going to throw a whole bunch of stuff up against the wall and see what hits. And hopefully this sticks. Now I think Arteta is a lot more sophisticated than Pirlo at this point in, in Pirlo's managerial career. That's a different conversation, but you know, I don't know. Do they go with the back three, the back five, you know, they did limit some opportunities from Lester until Jamie Vardy came on, but they didn't really have much going the other way. So it's one of those things that, 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 uh, that given pull that trying to find that nice balance between concentrating on defense and then also how many, how many numbers are we going to commit to the attack? All right. David Luis as well. That's right. No, David Luis. Yeah, that's right. Uh, that Jack, might be a good thing though. Let's be honest. <laughs> Not if Mustafi is your alternative. That's true. Fair point. <laughs> Yeah, when Mustafa is the alternative, I'm, I'm not sure. James, I'll put you on the spot. Who's winning this? Oh, I'm going to get a lot of grief for saying this, but I think Man United will win it quite imposingly. 2-0 Man United. What about you, Jimmy? I'll say 2-1. I like Arsenal to, to nip something here. I think they're going to get a goal in some capacity. Uh, I think United's ripe to at least give up one here. They've been on a good streak uh, defensively, but, but I think Arsenal's got it in them. I think Aubameyang's going to be ready to be the guy. I'll be uh, the differentiator here, and I'll say 2-0, 2-0 uh, on the day. Let's stay in the Premier League. Liverpool against West Ham. James, before we get to you, Jimmy, give us some betting tips on Liverpool. West Ham has been doing okay against big teams. Obviously, uh, held Man City, uh, that tremendous uh, game against, uh, what was it, the 3-0 that ended up being 3-0. Who was that against? Spurs. That was Spurs. Right. It was against Tottenham. That's right. With the comeback. So, you know, some I good mean, against top also, position. What, what do yeah, you say against Liverpool? Well, and they also slapped Leicester around 3 0. There you go. Through, and you can't sleep on that. I don't know. It's it's hard to give David Moyes credit. I think everybody struggles with that at times, but he's pressing the right buttons. And I really think this game is going to be hinging on the health of Mikel Antonio. Uh, if he's not healthy, they clearly are not as dangerous going forward. And if he is, then I think he's going to give Liverpool a lot of problems. For whatever reason, I kind of like the draw on this one. I think Liverpool are a bit vulnerable. They don't have any answers yet for who's going to replace Fabinho. This is a great time to play Liverpool, by the way. Maybe I should ask uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold when I talk to him later what, what he thinks the game's going to go about. But the draw on this one is plus 410. And I think if you're going to put a flyer on this game, Liverpool's favored minus 270. I don't know if West Ham will win straight up because just – just the talent that Liverpool has going the other direction. Most Salah's on something fierce. Uh, but if, if you want to go the other direction, uh, most Salah and a scoring, a Liverpool to win, and both teams to score is plus 450. I think West Ham will get a goal in this one. But if you're really feeling like Liverpool is going to do the business, uh, and just overall, if you want Liverpool to win and then both teams to score, that's plus 145. So I, I kind of like the action and, and the, of the draw because West Ham, as you guys have said, uh, have proven themselves against top quality competition. And because Liverpool is a little bit vulnerable right now, I could see the draw. And I think that's really good value. But if you're like, there's no way Liverpool is lo losing at Anfield. It's just not going to happen. Allison's back. They can, whoever they put in the middle next to Joe Gomez, you know, he's surrounded by a ton of experienced players. Reese Williams is probably going to be the person they choose, or maybe even drop Vinaldum in there or Milner or, or Jordan. Head. I mean, they've, they've got options, but they should still be able to fix that stop gap and your reds all the way through. Then I think that one where they win, both teams to score um, is plus 145. I like that one too. James, a major advantage for West Ham, I think, has been switching to that 3-4-3, 5-4-1 formation. But now mm. they're facing a Liverpool side that, you know, kind of takes advantage of those formations every now and again. How do you see this one? I think West Ham is so unfortunate that Antonio is not going to be fit now. I've heard a few different things about his injury. It could be quite a lengthy one. West Ham was still sort of assessing it, you know, during this week. 
Um, but it's not a good one to his hamstring. It's going to be a real loss because I think you need someone that can really intimidate whoever plays alongside Gomez, whether it's maybe Matip, probably not, um, or uh, Reese Williams. Having that that physical, quick, strong presence would have been huge for West Ham. But look, you know, I mean, we've all, you know, we've, a few people have reveled in David Moyes' difficulties. I think it's fair to say he's found a club that's like a good mix for him. A good, It's quite similar to Everton. It's a family club. It's one that's trying to be in touch with its community, having, having lost that. It's a club where he can just drill his players relentlessly. Is it enough to, to beat Liverpool? I think Mo Salah, Salah, Mane and Firmino, they're all rested for most of the Michelin game, so they're going to come into this fresh. And I don't think it'll be enough, but I think this West Ham team is good enough to make top teams, the very best teams, work so hard. They gave Man City pretty much nothing. And I think Liverpool will get the win, but I think they're going to have to work really hard for it. Um, I hope they do, because... Uh, I've got a big feature hopefully coming up on West Ham and it would be nice if they weren't come, uh, answering questions off the back of a 5-0 loss. Look at these <laughs> promos. We got we got Edison Cavani talking to TAA soon and we got the West Ham like, you know, shame, shameful, shameful on the lady from the lake. Unbelievable. Eddie, how do you see this one then? How, how, how do we find, how, how would he wrap this one up? Because the thing about these types of games is that Here's the thing. I see a lot of vulnerability from both sides defensively. And just the fact that they both kind of have the mentality of making sure that they penetrate the, the final third, you know, as much as they can. I mean, maybe less West Ham. Uh, but, I, you know, I, I don't think, listen, the way that Liverpool has started, you know, even though getting a few good results, even though with not great performances, they, they need this victory to keep the momentum going, no? Yeah, uh, the way to wrap it up for me is that Liverpool have actually won all three of their games since Virgil van Dijk got hurt. So they're, they're surviving. They're, they're figuring out ways to solve problems. And yes, it might not be as aesthetically pleasing as it used to look. And, and obviously they had to shore some things up after getting smacked by Aston Villa. Um, you know, things were going to have to change in terms of how they move. Fabinho came in and did, did well, especially against Ajax. But uh, I don't know if they're going to have too much of a drop-off. I think it's still going to be, as Ben said, some work. And West Ham and David Moyes in particular, his teams make you work. They're going to have to earn it. Without Antonio, though, it's going to be a, a much taller order. I don't think they have as any, anybody else up there that's as dynamic. I like Sebastian Halla, but uh, I don't know if he's the guy that's really going to stretch the defense and make them feel nervous. Maybe if balls go out wide and they're whipping crosses in, then that's a possibility where he could be dangerous. But... I just don't see it so much in the run of play. And, and I think Liverpool will do the business. I think they're super professional. They know what it takes to win and they know how to deal with adversity. And, and I think maybe 2-1, I'd say Liverpool. James, what's your quick prediction? Yeah, 2-1 Liverpool. Um, it'll be hard, but the quality up front is such that it's, it will happen. I'll be annoying, although one extra goal. 3-1, 3-1 Liverpool. Uh, any more interesting matches, Jimmy, from a betting standard? Anything that wagers can look at i mean i see leeds united leicester on monday that looks kind of interesting newcastle everton who everton who lost to southampton a anything else that you see there yeah i kind of like the newcastle everton game for the draw you know newcastle is in an okay run of form i mean okay might be the best they do all season so we'll take that because i'm a newcastle supporter uh everton i kind of want to see how they respond it, it was clear without hamas and the team they lacked a little bit of uh, creativity in the attack they became very predictable and i think newcastle very Steve Bruce-esque could maybe, you know, eke out a 1-1 draw and only have 17% possession or whatever, which is what we do. Uh, things that I would also look at, uh, Hingman's son to score 
anytime is plus 105. They're playing Brighton. That guy is on something fierce. How can you get a good line like that? For I couldn't believe that. But if you want Spurs, Spurs to win, this is a good one. Spurs to win. And Brighton has scored a lot of goals, by the way. Spurs to win. Both teams to score uh, plus 190. And Spurs are Ooh. hosting this one. Yeah, Brighton have scored. They're they're one of the top, you know, three or four teams in the league with goals scored. Uh, so I like that one a lot. And then uh, that might be the only other one that that I thought was really of interest in the Premier League. You know what's interesting, James? Though I, I like the uh, the West Brom Fulham game. The two teams that haven't won a game yet. <laughs> Something has to give. Will it be a complete mess of a match, James Bench? It's either going to be a horrible nil nil that is sort of like my you know forces us to start a european super league because god <laughs> these two teams not don't look premier league standard or it's going to be the stupidest four all draw you've ever seen which and i think it might be something more like the latter because neither of these two teams are that good at defending so far they've got some good attacking talent mitrovic for fulham um, i love diangana as well at, at west brom i mean these two teams are going down like and it looks like, that, I mean, there's reports in the Midlands as well that the Slavon Bilic might be falling out with the ownership. I think he's a great manager, but I'm happy that Ahmed Hagazi, who they were paying £70,000 a week to, has been sold to Saudi Arabia when he wasn't in the team. That feels like the sort of thing that happens in your season when you're getting relegated. Um, I'd like Fulham to just be a bit better than they are. It feels like They've tried to learn from last their, their mistakes from last time by not splurging loads of money, but they kind of haven't really got any good players now. So uh, yeah. I think you sort of two evenly matched teams that with good attacks, it could be quite a fun game, but uh, it's, it's a game we'll be seeing in the championship next season. It's, a, <laughs> it's interesting uh, that you say there's going to be a lot of goals in this one. The, the line is two and a half. So if you go over two and a half, it's plus 105. That could be some really good value. Um, yeah, I just think vulnerability-wise, you know, two teams that are desperately looking for a goal, there's bound to be mistakes in this one. Uh, I think that Craven Cottage is also the type of stadium that sort of welcomes defensive errors sometimes. Uh, I love Craven Cottage, by the way. Know oh. it very well. But, um, you know, I, I feel that it might be one of those games to watch out for. All right, so that was the Premier League. All the betting tips. Uh, stay right here because we're coming right back with more matches. Welcome back, everybody. Let's look at some other fixtures uh, across Europe. We have a good one in the Bundesliga. Mönchengladbach against top-of-the-table RB Leipzig. Jimmy, any interesting betting tips from this one? Two great teams in the Champions League. Uh, fans across the world, very talented. Yeah. Uh, what, what do we see here? Well, I think both teams are going to score, so let's just start there. And I really just think, who do you want to go with? Leipzig is on top of the Bundesliga table, but they got they're coming off a 5-0, you know, beat down by Manchester United. So confidence might confidence might be a little bit low. Borussia Mönchengladbach had a 2-0 lead against Real Madrid and blew it there in the last minute, so they might be feeling a little bit like drop points. That may, that situation feels like a loss. Bit of a coin flip, but I think both teams are going to score and if you like Mönchengladbach and I do at home, uh they're plus 340 to to do that if both teams score if they win. Both teams score and it's a draw is plus 310. And then if RB Leipzig, both teams score and RB Leipzig wins, it's plus 240. I, I really like those, that line. It's just a matter of where you're leaning and what you think you're going to get. I will say that Leipzig, for me, have struggled against the really, really good competition. All four of their wins are against teams that are in the bottom half of the Bundesliga, and two of them are in the relegation zone. So 
you have to take that into consideration, I think, when you're making this. Anytime they faced stiff competition by our Leverkusen, they drew 1-1. And then when they played Manchester United, they got slapped 5-0. So I don't really know what to make of this Leipzig team. I know that Julian Nagelsmann gets a lot of hype as a manager, but I think he might be struggling a little bit once he starts facing teams that know how to manage against him a little bit, where he can't just pull off some, you know, this wizardry that, that he's known for in some ways uh, tactically. So I, I kind of like watching Gladbach. I saw enough of Taram and, and uh, Playa to, to, to know that those guys are ballers and, and I want to see more of Munch and Gladbach. The more I watch him play, the more I want to see him play. Yeah, shamelessly. I'll also promo. I just chatted to Marcus Toram, and uh, he's ready for this. Oh, one. here we go, giving us a hard time, Benj, and this guy's flexing well, all over. Yeah. It. What can we do? You know, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta level it up. You know, you guys raise such a high bar, James. Uh, how do you see this one? Um, two good teams. Uh, to to Jimmy's point, RB Leipzig does struggle against you know teams that are below them, but they're both talented. Uh, Leipzig, will, we would think they would want to get rid of that five nothing loss as quickly as possible. Yeah, I mean, I wonder how, how much that, that game hangs over them and Jimmy would know better than me because it just wasn't a 5-0 game. Like For a lot of that game, Leipzig were, were given as good as they got. I thought, for me, it's, it's obvious to say they missed Timo Werner, but I think it's not just that they could never replace him, but there's no, it doesn't feel like there's a true focal point to this attack. Now, you know, that's great when Angelino scores four goals for you, but <laughs> it kind of felt like... You, you, when they were struggling to, they, when they needed to make the attacks move a bit quicker against United, no one was quite sure who was the one to go to. Who's the focal point? Paulson is great as a sort of second forward, a target man who you play off. Um, I think Sorloff, when he comes in, he'll probably do a similar sort of thing. It just needs someone that that adds a bit of oomph that gets them from st static around the penalty area into the box. I mean, that was what I saw from the United game, at least. Um, also, I just, Upamecano, man, wow. It's the first time I'd seen him since the Spurs game at length. This guy's incredible. Yeah, but he, he got was, done by MBE Marcus Rashford, so he's not he perfect. Him <laughs> yeah, and Boris Johnson both getting done by Marcus Rashford at the moment. But I just think when, he, when Upamecano's bringing the ball up at pace, I love seeing Leipzig play that way. Maybe he's the guy they need to add a bit of oomph but they still need someone at the other end that, that you go to that's your number one option, your number one scorer. And I think they're missing that a lot. Yeah, I was going to jump in, Luis, and just say they had a lot of number 10 type players against Manchester United. Yeah. You had Forsberg, you had Olmo, and you had Nkunku. And I like all three of those guys for different reasons, but are they the right combination of players to really transition in the way that you're talking about, Benj? And to, you know, I feel like, Polson does the job and he's a, he's a workhorse, you know, he'll, he'll try to run the channels to try to hold the ball up. And when they have a lot of success domestically or in Europe, it's when he's holding the ball up and it allows them to actually get supported in a meaningful way. But if he's, if he's not, or if they're, they're doing a good job of stacking him up with a CDM and, and a center back, it's going to be a little bit harder for them. And I wonder if there's maybe too many of the same types of players on the field at the same time. They need a, you, they need a Cavani. Right there. <laughs> they need do. an Eddie. They, they need an Eddie long hair. Beautiful. All right, let's go to Serie A very quickly. Milan Udinese. Uh, Milan on a roll. Slatten going to Slatten. How do we see this one, uh, Jimmy? Anything interesting there? I mean, you know, M Milan is trying to keep up as we speak. Obviously, they, they still have yet to play a Europa game, uh, but then they have a game against Udinese. How do we see it? Yeah, for me, I mean, it's pretty heavily favored in Milan's, uh, you know, way. I wouldn't want to say favorite twice. Uh, Milan is the favorite at minus 130. 
the over under is two and a half that the real good value is at the under two and a half. I, I don't really like any of that. You know, maybe you could get it into, it's funny on William Hill, Hill, by the way, I try to go find these exotics and for, for the champions league, they give you like, oh, you know, the one I won, I hit uh, yesterday was America's Rashford over one shot on goal. And when he didn't start, I was like, and then Greenwood scored, which would have been him. I was like, Oh, I was pissed. You know, but then he comes on to bangs three and I hit that bet. So all was good. But but they're not giving me those types of exotics for these games. I'm like, hmm, interesting, interesting. So I think one of the good bets now that I'm looking at it a little bit more is AC Milan uh, to win in over two and a half goals. I think Milan's on something special right now. Um, and if that's plus 150, so I like that one quite a bit. But usually they'll give you like Zlatan scoring first. They're not even giving me any of that. And that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, bastards. So uh, <laughs> yeah, that would be where I see it at the moment. I don't know if James wants to, to, to hop in, but I do like, and I actually feel like my life is better. Not my life is better, but it's just cooler when, when AC Milan's a good team. It, that's Absolutely. how I grew up. That's how I grew up. And same way I feel about Manchester United. It, it, there's something comforting about these big clubs kind of being the clubs that we, we know them for. And when they struggle, you're like, yeah, that kind of sucks. I don't want to watch Serie A anymore. I want AC Milan to be good. And so whether they win the league or not, I just like them to be good and competitive. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, James, any thoughts? I mean, Udinese has drawn more Serie A games against AC Milan than against anyone. So maybe that's another draw that we see on the cards. I don't know about that. There's some like, I love that. I mean, going back to what Jimmy was saying, I love those nineties vibes. Udinese, AC Milan, I'm thinking Oliver Bierhoff, I'm thinking just... George Ware. George Ware, oh, what days they were. And I don't, I mean, Milan are a long way away from that, but you can see that you can see the path to being back near the top of Italy. I mean, we all talk about Zlatan, but that is, I think, the fourth youngest team in Europe. Um, Tonali, Leao, uh, even the sort of somewhat older players, Chalanolu's like a veteran on that team. He's 26, Romagnoli, I don't know how old he is, but he's captaining the team. It's really, it's really exciting. I hope Milan can get out of their own way and just trust this process, even though like it's not, it's probably not leading to a title this season. You know, for all Juventus' difficulties, they've got the, the quality, individual quality to steamroller this league eventually. But I really like where they're heading and I just, I hope they can stay on this path for a little while longer. Yep, absolutely. All right. Um, so let's finish up here and come back to North America. Uh, Jimmy, uh, MLS wrapping up its uh, regular season. And as I've mentioned many a time, to not get to the playoffs is an effort in itself, I feel like. It's unbelievable. You have to try very hard not to make it. And, you know, some really intriguing storylines, including Nashville as well. Uh, talk to us about MLS as we head into this weekend. Yeah. I, what I love about MLS is you just have no idea. This is not really a – I mean, if you like to be risky, this is a great league to bet. But you, anybody can beat anybody on any given day, and I think that's what makes it a bit frustrating. But, yeah, there's, there's a lot of great stuff. There's only a couple of games left in the season. Decision day, as they like to call it, when all the teams play at once, is happening on November 8th. So we're very close to that. Uh, you know, Philadelphia Union, for me, have been fantastic. They overtook Toronto FC top of the table in the Eastern Conference. They locked it in. Uh, Sporting Kansas City, my favorite, my favorite and former club. Uh, I played there for eight years. They're on top. They just clinched their playoff spot last night. So a lot of good things happening. Uh, Nashville have been a, a quiet surprise in a lot of different ways. They're sitting in fifth in the Western Conference. They just need oh, – they've played almost all of their games, and so they might have to wait a little bit. might be a little squeaky bum time. But there's a lot of opportunity here for, for a lot of clubs. That's the thing. D.C. United fired their coach. 
they're averaging one point a game and they might still have a chance if they went out. And so that's, what's crazy. Almost every team makes the league, as you say, and, and uh, there should be some big matchups coming up. I'll, I'm going to transition to Liga MA Keys because just South of the border here in the U S and Canada, there's a big matchup between Club America and Tigres, two of the best clubs in Mexico, bar none. And they're playing at uh, Stadio Azteca. So that should be a great one. Both of them are fighting for their own playoff spots. And uh, I think they're in third and fourth, respectively. So that should be a good one. I'm a big Andre Pierre Gignac fan. He just scores goals for fun, no matter where he is, unless he's playing for the French national team. Maybe it's a little bit more difficult for there. But the guy's a beast, and I love watching him play. So you're going to set, set aside any time to watch a game from North America. I like that one a lot. But there's some good MLS ones as well. ton of games on the calendar. And uh, maybe my favorite would be sporting Kansas City versus Minnesota. It's the friendliest derby in uh, the U.S., as they like to say it, or in MLS. Uh, Kansas City have already clinched the playoff spot. They want to get that number one seed, and Minnesota are right there on the cusp, and they need probably one more win to, to make sure they get in the playoffs. Yeah, plenty of I've got a I've got a question for, for Jimmy. Um, obviously, we don't really like – we're still not quite getting weekly MLS updates in, um, in mm -hmm. Europe, but what has happened to Chicharito? Because it, it doesn't sound like he's been bad. It sounds like he has been – transformatively bad so in fairness to chicharito i don't know luis probably wants to hop in here as well the galaxy kind of marketing plan is we're going to buy a big name whether he fits our team or not because we want to sell jerseys and obviously to have a mexican international uh, on your team in, in a market like la uh, is really important now lafc are new the new rivals of the galaxy mm. i grew up in la they signed Carlos Vela and he is the goods. And he came out, he was the league MVP and he, he, he brought it. Chicharito came in and he wasn't scoring goals. He was sitting on the bench for Sevilla. He was, for me, he was already kind of on the downslope of his career, but still a big name. He'd still score for Mexico, but he really wasn't doing it on the club level. And clearly Sevilla thought he was surplus goods and they sold him. They probably thought they got a steal on it. Frankly, he just doesn't fit. And this was just going to be a harder league because, you know, you go from Sevilla where you're playing with maybe one of the best, you know, wide attacking teams in, in the world who know how to get crosses off. And that's what Chicharito needs. And then he goes to the galaxy where there is a steep drop off between your top players and your, and your, mm. uh, you know, lower salary players. So the quality and the consistency of that quality probably isn't the same. That means they need him to do even more. And I just don't think Chicharito, that's not his game. He's not going to go create drop into midfield and do his thing. He's a, he's a in the box guy. He's great at creating space and getting on the end of stuff, but if nothing's coming in, it's going to be really hard for him to have success. So yes, I don't blame him consistently. I, I, or at all, really, I blame the galaxy for even signing him in the first place. Their back four is a shambles bench. I am a certain age and I could still go back there and I think make uh -huh. a difference for the galaxy. Uh, they needed to invest that money to be competitive. They needed to invest that money in other areas of their team. And listen, I love their manager, Guillermo Barros Scaloto, Boca juniors legend, uh, played in MLS. The guy is a, a superhuman being but he just can't figure out how to get this team to have success. They lost 5-2 last night to the Timbers. They're getting smacked in every different type of way, and you can tell they lost their spirit. So Chicharito is a part of the reason, but really I feel like it's the Galaxy's overarching marketing campaign just to sell jerseys as opposed to actually signing a player that makes sense for their team. Yeah, I'll just give you one very quick answer on it, okay? What, when what you are you saying? Have... I don't give quick... Are you saying I don't give quick <laughs> answers? No, that was like an hour, all right? The very <laughs> quick answer right here is this. The moment you... Focal, focus your point on somebody like Slatan Ibrahimovic, right? You have somebody that's like, you know, so extraterrestrial in holding the ball, leading up from the line. The expectations of Chicharito, as Jimmy said, are completely different. He is not that player. 
Mm. And we have to remember that this is an LA Galaxy team that so far has conceded 41 goals. So the issue, as Jimmy said, is Chicharito and then 10,000 other problems. It's a big, big problem. And Chicharito was really nothing against him. It was money wasted. I said at the beginning when he arrived that he was big for this uh, league because LA Galaxy is in the city that has the biggest Mexican-American community in the country. And Chicharito, just like Carlos Vela and LAFC, provides such a tremendous identity to the city, the community mm -hmm. as a whole. But if you were expecting for him to be Slatan, forget about it because there are many, many problems. But even Zlatan didn't get the Galaxy into the playoffs, or he did just one one time, and they they fizzled out against LAFC in the first round. But at least they that, played. But yes, exactly. They, they were they were definitely a lot more exciting than they are. And now. the issues were still there, correct? But Chicharito is just in many ways a martyr for a bigger problem, an scapegoat for a bigger problem, Agreed. and that's it. And that, my friends, is the end of your weekend recap. James Bench, the lady from the lake, the Grim Reaper. Thanks. Show us again. Oh yeah. Oh, the Ooh. beekeeper. <laughs> Get away from me, B. <laughs> bye, bunny, bye, bye. And Edison Cavani, el Uruguayo. Thank you very much. Guys, stay tuned because more is to come next week and into the future. Have a happy, happy Halloween. I'll see you then. Thank you so much for joining us for our Halloween weekend preview special. Make sure that you follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And make sure that you follow us on Twitter, Pod. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.